We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. That uppity theater company of St. Louis, in partnership with the University of Central Oklahoma, Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America, and Painting for Peace in Ferguson, is presenting an original production this week with a very specific anti-gun violence message. It's titled 26 Pebbles and is based on the aftermath of the Newtown, Connecticut shootings at the Sandy Hook Elementary School. Twenty children aged six and seven and six others adults were murdered there in 2012. With me to talk about 26 Pebbles are Joan Lipkin, artistic director with that uppity theater company. Carol Swarthout-Klein is the author of Painting for Peace in Ferguson. Repeat guests, I might add. Nice to see you both again. Thanks, Don. Um, let me, Joan, let me start with you. Um, I was interested in the, the playwright and the interviews that he did and the way that he went about collecting material for this uh, production. What can you tell me about that? Well, his name is Eric Ulolo, and he was touched by the story of what had happened um, in Sandy Hook, as were many of us. And about six months after the event, he went to... He went to Newtown because he wanted to bear witness and just be supportive. And uh, much as the world came to Ferguson because people wanted to see what was going on, and they they said, oh, if you come, we'll run you out of town because Mm -hmm. we're really tired of people coming. And he said, I just want to come. I just want to listen. I want to be supportive. And the people there really connected with him, and he began to do interviews. And much like the model of the Laramie Project by Mm -hmm. Tectonic Theater Company, which went to Wyoming uh, in 1998 after Matthew Shepard was killed, uh, this play is based on that kind of model. They did over 60 interviews. There are six characters, um, or I should say six actors that play multiple roles, and they tell the story of the town before, uh, during, and after the event. I guess it's a real cathartic uh, event for people who have gone through this to be able to talk about it. I, I think many people would not want to talk, but it's helpful to talk sometimes. I think we need to talk about the trauma that we have in our lives so that we don't feel isolated and so that we can have collective healing and collective support. Um, But I think that a play like this is helpful not only for people who have literally experienced that, because that would be obviously a very small audience at that particular location, but something that it offers all of us uh, as, as a culture, as a society. And it's a way to keep these stories alive. And I think it's a way to sensitize us because much like the story of Matthew Shepard, which has had thousands of productions, there are 80 just this year alone that are planned for North America. It's been translated into, I think, 13 or 14 languages. It helped to sensitize many people um, about homophobia, about violence, um, and uh, maybe change their worldview. And so my hope is that a play like this can help us to find some sort of healing, but also to take action. I want to come back to that point, but Carol, I'd like to turn to you. I might have the timetable wrong. Uh, Have you been to Newtown, or are you preparing to go? I'm not quite certain of that. I'm preparing to go next week, Mm -hmm. and I think that, you know, just to echo what Joan has been saying, you know, throughout human history, we have always learned through stories. And I just think that it is a telling serendipity that 
you know, the story of Newtown through that Uppity Theater Company is coming to St. Louis uh, this week. And then I was invited, uh, the book was selected by the Vicki Soto Memorial Fund. Mm-hmm. Vicki Soto was one of the first grade teachers who was killed at Sandy Hook. The Painting for Peace in <clears throat> Painting Ferguson. for Peace yes. in Ferguson book, my yeah. book, yes. Mm-hmm. And it is um, what they do is they buy, they bought 3,700 books mm-hmm. that are being shared with every elementary child in uh, her hometown, which is actually right down the street from Newtown in Stratford. And as a part of that, I said, well, would you be interested in seeing some of the murals that were up in Ferguson? And yes, they were very interested. So there's an exhibit of about a dozen of the murals, and it's the first time that they have ever been seen outside of the St. Louis area. We should remind people that's what your book is all about. It's about the art that was created following the events in Ferguson in 2014. Right. And I, again, I think it's it's really, you know, the touchstone here, the thread between the two, because they're obviously very different events. Mm-hmm. But the touchstone is the community and the resilience. And really, both stories are about what what's next. Mm-hmm. And how do we as individuals become empowered to take action to make our community safer and um, for, for all the all the residents? You know, we say that, and I, this question to both of you. Uh, Joan, you had pointed out this is your third anti-gun violence uh, production. We keep having pr- conversations and productions and the kinds of things that we're talking about here, but these things keep happening. I mean, nothing has changed, or, or has it? Do you see any, either of you see any sense of change? Yes, I do think that there is change, and I do want to acknowledge that this is my third production. We co-produced um, every 28 hours, which was about extrajudicial violence against people of color. And then a year ago, we did After Orlando, which was about the aftermath of the um, of the massacre at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, Florida. But here is what is different. And actually, it's interesting, Don, because we agreed to do this production before Parkland happened, uh, is that the youth have gotten involved in a way that we haven't seen it before. And so this is going to be a youth-driven movement, and uh, they are going to take up the mantle where we have not been successful. Last night, I went to an incredible gathering at Cardinal Ritter, Uh, school, which was the March for Our Lives Road to Change Tour that had uh, representatives from from Parkland, including David Hogg, uh, and also um, people who had been on the ground in Ferguson. And there were two, maybe three adults on the panel, Corey Bush, who's running for office, and Mama Cat, who is a very beloved uh, activist and who feeds people. But essentially, this was a youth-driven event. The youths moderated it. They uh, they ran the event. Um, they were predominant on the panel, and this is what is going to be different because we have we have a generation now that has an issue that is impacting them. There are more shootings, mass shootings on on in educational facilities than in any other setting. Yes, it's it's we had the shooting at Pulse and we had a, a shooting at the at the church in in Charleston and the concert in Las Vegas, 
But um, there are approximately one episode of shooting a week this year, over 45 mm-hmm. since the beginning of the year in educational institutions, whether they're affluent or whether they're economically challenged. And the young young people have said, enough is enough. And I believe that with their leadership, I'd love to say with their leadership and our support of them, particularly if we tie it with voting, voter registration and getting out the vote, we can make a difference now. Mm-hmm. Carol, uh, the 3,700 books that are going to be distributed, are they going to be going to young people Yeah, in, they're in going particular? to all of the elementary school children uh, in the Stratford Connecticut School District. What do you hope happens when these kids see these murals? You know, it's going to be a fascinating trip, John. I really do think it's going to be very profound to be there, you know, where this community is still wrestling with this unspeakable tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know the stories that I can bring back from Ferguson, and I and I think you'd, you had asked, has have things changed? Um, I think some, you know, there's, I'd always, everyone would always like to see it happening faster, but I think there are people that are really dedicated. I heard your interview last week with um, Pastor F. Willis Johnson. Yes. And, you know, when he was describing the people of Ferguson, he said, you know, they are resilient. Mm-hmm. And, I know there have been new connections made. I would not have, for example, ever met Pastor Johnson, but I've since done some programs at his church. And there is, it's it's hard to explain, but there is an inner attitude that I think has changed, and that's where it has to begin. And it begins by sharing these stories. Mm-hmm. And as Joan has pointed out w- with young people, they, they really do seem to be the answer this time around. I think after Parkland, many people have made that point that it's going to be up to them. Yeah, social change has always been led yeah. by the youth. Yeah. And you you go back through history and it takes for, you know from women's voting rights on down it it takes the youth getting involved because we all know that's our future. But Joan, are young people going to be coming to your play? Well, it is, it is our hope, and we certainly have invited them. What I'm excited about, Don, is that it's actually a student production which I think is important. This play is so beautiful and evocative, and it had its first performance at the Human Race Theater in Ohio about a year ago, and it has just been published. And I see the capacity of this play to be picked up and done all over the country, and wouldn't it be wonderful if it were done in high schools and and in colleges? And in fact, there is a production on the books in uh, central Missouri at a college Mm -hmm. for later this year. So we're reaching out to everyone. One thing that I hope is helpful is that it's free. That is always <laughs> helpful. I, that's been my experience anyway. Yeah. Carol, let's, let's explore a little bit more this notion of art, visual or performing art, as being uh, an element to affect social change. How, how realistic is that? I think um, I think the art played many roles. I think certainly some of the um, art that was created uh, in Ferguson, that's in in the book "Painting for Peace in Ferguson," uh, was certainly demanding calls for social change. But you know what was interesting about that whole effort? First, there were 450 people that came out on Thanksgiving when they could have been going to the sales at the stores or eating leftover turkey or watching football. Instead, they said, no, we have to come out. We have to do something. And this is how they chose to 
participate. But a lot of the art is cathartic also. Um, it was interesting to me that the people that really, several of the organizers of that effort were um, art therapists. And sometimes art becomes a way when people are not necessarily, can't put their thoughts into words just yet. It becomes another way to express it. Interestingly, one of the murals that is going up to Connecticut is by an art teacher, Marnie Clonch, who is the University City uh, Director of Fine Arts, and her piece is entitled Resilience, and it is uh, of a tree standing strong despite all the swirls going around it. So I think, particularly when I talk to kids, there are a lot of really powerful symbolism in the images. Uh, the one done, done by Anna Bonfia of the black and white hand that symbolized the arch and yet the roots are exposed. She has roots at the bottom and her interpretation of that was we can't stay where we are if we're going to improve. We need to be uprooted to move somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And it gets the kids thinking about these visual images in a different way. I think we're going to have some of those images on our website uh, later today, too, Great. that uh, people can see them. We have a caller who wants to get into the conversation. It's Bill calling from St. Louis. Let's bring him in. Bill, you're on the air. Go ahead. What a great show. That's not not unusual for you. Um, <laughs> Thank so you. So about gun violence and other violence, um, changes in gun laws are important. But we all agree, Republicans and Democrats, they're not enough. We need the mental health piece also. And in my opinion... The hotlines we have aren't working, obviously. We need public service announcements regularly, 24-7 for the rest of our lives, asking people before they hurt themselves or others to come in from the cold and let us help them, that we care about them, that it's not their fault they're in pain, and that others have been there too. And I don't think we'll get them all, but we'll get a whole bunch just out of the gate. People are good at heart, and no one wants to hurt themselves or others if they're given options. And we need to hardwire them to ask for help before they hurt somebody. And we're obviously not doing it. The public service announcements would be free. Production would be free. You'd need the mental health services to back it up when they call, and you'd need staffing. But I wish more people were talking about reaching out to people. And a radio show once in a while is nice, but it wouldn't get nearly as many people as if they heard it every day on the radio and saw it every day on TV. And I'm advocating for that, and I hope others will Bill, thanks for your thoughts on that. Joan, that's exactly what you're doing. Carol, that's exactly what you're doing. Right. You want to react further to what uh, Bill said? Well, I I appreciate his comments. And the thing is, is that any kind of real change has to happen on several levels. It has to happen in terms of cultural representation, and that's where the arts comes in. And it also is important in terms of education, as well as legislation. Uh, And uh, we, I think that we can agree that the Second Amendment is going to stand. And I am not anti-Second Amendment. What I am advocating for is gun sense advocacy so that we keep guns away from people who shouldn't have them and we keep them out of sensitive places and we have a strong background check system. We don't allow guns for domestic abusers and violent felons and that we ensure proper storage. This is a matter of public education, but it's also a a bipartisan issue because we can come together and say, we, we, we may never have a singular 
response to how to approach the issue of gun of gun safety, but we can agree that this is a deeply ethical and moral issue and a public health epidemic that Car- we need to come together. Carol, there has to be a political component to this. I, you know, whatever people may say and think about politics, but the politicians just don't seem willing or courageous enough to uh, to to move on this. Well, I think I think the people need to to come forward. You know, ultimately in our democracy, our politicians work for us. And when when they know that this is something that is really valued and important, you know, it's it's complicated in our country. It was interesting in Australia when, you know, the caller spoke about mental health issues. And in Australia, when uh, they had the horrendous mass shooting and they uh, did very restrictive uh, gun safety measures as a country, the one of the big unintended consequences that was, was that suicides were down dramatically. Mm-hmm. And that's still one of the leading causes of death in this country from, you know, easy access to guns. So it's not necessarily, you know, these crimes of passion and violence. There, There is a mental health component. I think we have to be very holistic. I wish we could go back to the days when there were the ad council ads like, you know, this is your brain on drugs or a mind is a terrible thing to waste. But, you know, our media has become so fractured with social media and every other way that people get their news. I'm not sure you can do one single campaign and and make a difference. But that doesn't mean we can't give up. To that point, Joan, you know, I watch uh, local news every evening on television. The first 10 minutes invariably is is gun violence related. And, you know, shooting after shooting after shooting. It's news, I suppose. But I wonder if constant exposure to that isn't part of the problem. Yeah, I think on some level, unless it is in our own backyard, we become inured to this. But one of the things that was so beautiful about this event yesterday, the March for Our Lives Road to Change tour, was that it was a very diverse gathering, racially, ethnically, also in terms of age. And one of the messages that came out was, we are each other's neighbor. And that there is no hiding from this for anybody. So that we need to have each other's back. We need to work together. But these these young people, these students, one of, I mean, who is just graduating, they're graduating from high school, they're seniors. They said that it was really important to, for people to vote and to vote for people who take no money from the NRA so that we can increase the number of elected officials in the state and federal offices who will then push for gun safety laws. These young people are understanding that connection. We only have a little more than a minute left. Carol, what do you expect to find in Newtown? You know, I'm really open to the experience. I would imagine that there will be surprisingly quite a lot of similarities to what the community of Ferguson Mm -hmm. is going through as it continues to sort of come five years hence from from trauma in that community. Um, I do want to point out that the the play, because I really am supporting her play, mm-hmm. starts uh, tomorrow night at First Congregational Church at 7 p.m. on uh, Whiteown Boulevard, and it is free, and it is an uplifting production, even though it deals with a difficult subject. Mm-hmm. I, I have in my notes here that uh, 
It's going to be starting tomorrow, and it has various times and various locations. If you can give us those <coughs> times and locations before you leave, we'll make sure that they're on our, our website. That would be my pleasure, and I, and I think it's beautiful that we're doing this at a library, but also at Communities of Faith. It's a new audience. It's a way for people to be involved. I'm interested in expanding audiences and making opportunities. We will be having also a conversation mm-hmm. with Moms Dem- Demand Action available um, after each show, as well as a visit with the cast to talk about what their experience was as young people making this piece. Well, I hope you have a great turnout for all of the productions. And thank you so much, Joan Lipkin, for being with us and Carol Swartout Klein. Congratulations to you on the success of your book and the fact that it's being used in the way it's being used in a place like Newtown. Thank you. Thank you both for being with us. Thank you, Don. Archived versions of past St. Louis on the Air programs available for download or podcast at stlpublicradio.org slash stlonair. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Don Marsh.